Hello and welcome to episode 748 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Tuesday, October 29th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I'm back on my solo grind for the first time in a while. Some of you may have noticed it's been a little bit slow in October. That is by design. It's kind of the decompression month. Uh, you know, we, we watching the playoffs, kind of unwinding, marinating on the season that was. So you're seeing yeah, about three pieces a day over at Rotographs, one pot a week type of deal. That's really just for October. And then we're going to kick it into high gear in November and um, and really get back on the grind of, of assessing what we just saw and how it's going to play into next year. But um, wanted to get back on the solo beat here, talk a little baseball, particularly outfielders. Now, I don't have my outfielder ranking out yet. I've been working on it. I'm decide. I'm trying to figure out how many I want to do because I do the comments, and I'm sure you look at those rankings. You see one comment or you know a sentence comment. You're like, "Well, how hard is that, idiot? Just do it, post it, let me read it." Fair enough. However, it usually requires, you know, opening the page, diving in, finding something interesting. I hope interesting to say. So it's not as easy as just like off the top of the dome putting a comment for each player. For example, 35 third baseman, probably dove in on 32, 33 of the profiles. There might have been a guy or two where it was just like, bam, you know, snap, easy. Like uh, the Nolan Arenado. I know he doesn't run. Who cares? He's a 40, 120 lock. That one was easy. I didn't really have to look that up. But then, you know. You get into some of the mid, a lot of the mid-tier guys. You want to look in there and see something. So, with outfielders, do I go fifty? Do I go seventy-five, eighty, one hundred? I've got a hundred and ten ranked right now. Now, if you remember last year's outfield rankings, I did it a little bit differently. They get they get globby, right? Outfielders get very globby, meaning if you're unfamiliar with the glob. At a certain point, the talent isn't really rankable, not with any, not with any degree of confidence. And you know, you could say that eight through tw- through twenty isn't super rankable with with a great degree of confidence too. I understand that, but we are making our decisions up front at the at the top of our roster and stuff like that. But once you really get going, uh, so last year I did fifty outfielders ranked. And then tiered groups based on skills. Average, power, power speed, speed only, playing time, utility. Uh, you know, guys that, that had multiple positions. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out exactly what to do. But I'm going to talk about outfielders today here on the show before the rankings come out. So this is kind of a preview to the rankings. And I want to do it similarly where we've got the top guys but then we're going to dive in on the on, on the groupings pretty quickly. I'm actually going to start that at 25. Now, when I do the written post, I'm going to do at least 50 ranked. At least. And then we'll see where it goes from there. Uh, but today we're going to kind of run through the top 25. I'm not really going to give much insight on them. They're kind of the, the studs. And then I want to talk about the skill groupings. Now... These can be hard because there's overlap, and you could say, oh, this guy belongs in this one and this one. 
I did my best here. And if you have a vehement disagreement on one, let me know. Uh, I've got guys that are kind of average first. Batting average is really what you're getting out of them. Combo, which is primarily power speed. But I purposely said combo instead of power speed because some guys are maybe like batting average homers, batting average speed, um, runs and speed because they're at the top of the lineup or something like that. So you, you'll get you'll get the idea when I kind of go through them. And then power only and speed only. So those four groupings, and we're going to talk through a bunch of players there. But let's start at the top, and and it's it's difficult. Um, there is a top four that I think is pretty locked in as far as who they are. The order, actually, maybe even top five. We'll call it we'll call it five. I think five actually is is correct. But there's there's the top five. But what order do you put them? Mike Trout, Christian Yelich, Mookie Betts, Ronald Acuna Jr., Cody Bellinger. There's your five. What's your order? Acuna for some at the very top. Yelich for some. Trout for some. I think... I'm so torn. I'm, I'm, I'm really so torn. I'm going to have to put the top three as, as the three that we've been talking about a lot. Trout, Yelich... Acuna and then Betts Bellinger after that. I want I want to put Betts higher because I really do believe in him and I think he's going to be great, but he's going to be cheaper. And the bottom line is no, I was going to make a point that is false. I'm looking at it now. Never mind. Bottom line is that he's amazing. I don't know. You know, he did shave off 14 stolen bases and We've been seeing some so much of that stolen base volatility, and I think that's why those who favor Acuna, I really don't have a problem with, because he is so young, and I I think he's a safer bet to keep running, maybe not at a thirty-seven clip like he did this past year for Acuna, but another twenty-eight to thirty-two seems really solid. So people putting him at the top, I get it. Now, I took Trout in a league in, in the two early mocks where I had the number one pick. So I'm going to stick with him there. And then between Acuna and Yelich, man, I don't know. You know, If the kneecap isn't a problem, you know, if he comes back and he's just totally fine from it, then there's no reason to believe that Yelich is just going to stop running. I mean, he was 30 for 32. He was 22 for 26 the year before. 16 for 18 the year before that. He's, he's remarkably efficient. So not only does he have the speed and capability to run, he's just really sharp when he does it. And he added homers from 36 to 44, and that's with 17 fewer games, which uh, was about um, 70 fewer plate appearances for, for, for Yelich because of the injury, 71 to be exact. So, damn. I'll leave it how I have it written here. Trout, Yelich, Acuna. It doesn't matter. Uh, I've got Betts, Bellinger, Soto next. And again, I don't want to, I don't, we spend too much time on these top ends here as as just a a general fantasy community when your leagues are really one in the middle. So I I don't want to get bogged down debating you know the two superstars it's a preferential thing uh but Betts Bellinger Soto after that 
Judge J.D. Martinez. We'll see if he opts out. Charlie Blackman. I debated between Blackman and Marte. I think Marte has a strong case because of his speed. And and, and it's not like he's devoid of power. He went 23-25 this past year. 20-33 the year before that. In fact, I think I might make that change here right on the fly. Because I debated it when I was writing them down in the first place. And Blackman just stopped running. He was two for seven last year. Uh, or Man, I, I'm always torn on when to say last year versus this. I'm going to stick with this year, meaning 2019. I usually wait until the calendar changes. So I'm going to say this year, this year, this year for 2019. And then last year would be 2018 still. Uh, so last year he was 12 for 16. He already had started to slow. It's 17, 14, 12, 2 for Charlie Blackman. He's 33. Injuries maybe starting to, to get to him a little bit. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put Marte nine, Blackman ten. Uh, Chris Bryant, Joey Gallo, and Carlos Stanton at 11, 12, 13. Cattell Marte, George Springer, Aloya Menez at 16. Yes. If you didn't have him anywhere and weren't really dialed in on what he was doing, you might not realize. You might be surprised to learn that he hit 31 homers. With a capable 267 average, 79 ribs, a very nice 69 runs. That's, you know, part of his team environment and the fact that he only played 122 games. But that only underlines how awesome the 31 homers were. The fact that he did it in 122 games. Jimenez panned out, y'all. Like, simple fact is, he panned out. There was expectations. They were high. He was being... You know, he was creeping into the top 100 by the time draft season really hit high gear. And he did the damn thing. He closed brilliantly with a 340, 383, 710 slash in September with nine homers and 25 ribbies. Jimenez, Jimenez panned out. I'm putting Jimenez 16, Victor Robles 17, and Tommy Pham 18. Robles is another one who, now, a little bit different than Jimenez. They have totally different profiles but also panned out when you really think about it now in a real baseball sense 745 ops is underwhelming but that's where the split between real and fantasy comes in particularly with speed guys right we see this a lot that uh that's where that big distinction can come in victor robles finished as the 24th outfielder despite only hitting 255 uh, because of 17 homers and 28 steals. 86 runs, 65 ribbies. He's only going to be 23 next year. I like him to build on it. I am moving his price up on this season. And I've got him as the 17th outfielder. And I think there's some potential to take him as high as maybe even 14. Where I currently have Cattell Marte. I love Cattell Marte. I'm really trying to balance my fandom for him with being careful fantasy wise if the ball goes back you know see somebody who loses out big time he started to show some punch last year he did Marte did um not 32 homer punch the ball certainly helped him there and I still think now I would not project this this you can't play that you can't play like this is going to happen but I still absolutely see the potential for Marte if he wants to steal uh, 
25 plus bags because he has the 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 raw speed to do it it really is a choice thing a choice uh scenario at this point let me bring up his sprint speed real quick for Catel Marte while we're doing this um, a normal caveat if you're new to a solo pod a lot of a lot of searching stuff up on the fly taking drinks on the fly fight let's do that while we're looking something up two birds one stone I do have a straw in my water so hopefully it's a little bit quieter not that you guys care that much uh Okay, so his speed came down a bit. I, I, maybe I was still living in 2017 on Marte when he was top 5% in the league um, at 29.2 feet per second. Shaved about a half off of that 28.7 in 18, and then another foot off of that this year, 27.9. So he's not as fast. He's still pretty fast, though. Guys with much lower sprint speeds are doing a lot more on the bases than Marte. So it's not even like, it's not even like, uh, this is a limiting factor. Let's see who he's around. In fact, perfect. His 27, nine ties him with Mookie Betts. I mean, that right there kind of tells you what you need to know. Um, ties in with Jonathan VR. And we know what these guys do. So it's not always about the raw speed. Raw speed helps. Duh. Like, I'm not I'm not going to pretend that. But it's not a prerequisite to being a quality and plentiful base stealer. But you have to choose to do so. And you also have to get the green light. You know, maybe there's a situation where Arizona's saying, nah, hold back. And he contributed 10. But I love Marte. Uh, we'll see how things go, and, and if we get a read on what the ball is looking like coming into next year, that'll kind of determine maybe how high we are on Marte. But uh, I said don't get bogged down, and what the heck did I do? I got bogged down. 19-20-21, Nicholas Castellanos looking for a new club, could stick with the Cubs. Uh, Eddie Rosario with Merrifield. Merrifield was disappointing, but still pretty solid, speaking of uh, speed. He really cut those stolen bases. Um, went down from 45 to 20. But the 20 was still pretty good. That's the thing. It was just that he was 20 for 30. And, and people were kind of banking on at least 30. Let's see. Did his sprint speed go down? Merrifield's? It did, but not even a half foot. So, still pretty good. Although... No, he, he, it wasn't the speed. It would just make him worse choices or teams were expecting it more. I don't know. Um, Austin Meadows, Yasiel Puig, Michael Brantley, Michael Conforto round out the top 25. So those are the top 25 guys there. I really like that group. Um, I could make some shuffling as far as the ranking there. But that's who I've got in the top 25. Puig also looking for a new ball club, by the way. Meadows with the big breakout. Might be a little bit low. Um, 33 and 12 for him with a 291 average. Maybe he needs to be a little bit higher. Maybe he, he needs to be over Castellanos because, you know, Castellanos had the power breakout when he went to Chicago. 
and he's always been kind of a guy who you think can do power and batting average. But even if he does, he's still he's still a cut below Meadows because he doesn't have Meadows' speed or, or, or base running abilities. I actually think I was going to mention um, on that sprint speed of Cattell Marte, uh, Castellanos was another person that he was tied with this year at 27-9. Where's Meadows? Meadows is at 28-1. So he's above them. But again, you... I think, you know, Meadows isn't a burner, but he does run. I do wonder if Castellanos with the 27-9 could run a little bit more. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, I'm moving Meadows up right now. Um, I'm doing another live change to 19. So it's going to go Meadows, Castellanos, Rosario, Merrifield, Puig, Brantley, Conforto. And that's going to round out the top 25. Now we're going to get into some of the groupings. Again, average first combo, which is generally power speed, but but usually just two categories that are two skills that they really excel in, power only and speed only. And we're going to kind of break down each group, highlight some of my favorites. Now, I did rank 110 guys. I'm obviously not going to have the opportunity to really dive in on all of them. And if you think somebody is in the wrong grouping and it's egregious, you're like, dude, you really got to put him in this grouping and you had him here. Let me know. Notable omissions probably from the top 25 would be David Dahl, health. Um, Marcelo Zuna, who I really do like. I, I always I always have liked him. Even with the... Okay, he had the 12 stolen bases this year that certainly helped him put up a, a, a damn fine season. But he only had 241, and he really is kind of a power first guy. Spoiler, that's where he's going to wind up. And so, I don't know. Even if he gets, you know, so basically what he did this year was trade batting average for for some stolen bases. A trade you'll take, by the way, because of how difficult it is to land stolen bases. You know, give me the nine extra SBs for the 39 points of batting average. I think overall that's a better trade. I just don't know that he's going to continue to run. He could also be with a new team. Marcelo Zuna could. Um, and Andrew Benintendi, probably a surprising omission. But no, dude. I got to see something. This was a really disappointing year for him. And if you look, you know, he had the 2020 season in 2017. Followed it up with a 16-21 but a nice 291 average and strong, or excuse me, 290 average, but and strong runs ribbies because of the team he was on. But then this year, 13-10, 72 runs, 68 ribs, 266 average. I got to move him down. So let's get into the average category, the, the batting average first. These guys, that's generally something that you can bank on from them. They may have other skills, but that's kind of their leading their leading indicator. And I'll give an idea of where I ranked them as well. Subject to change, but just a general range. Jeff McNeil, 26. He was he was right there. I really wanted to include him. And I in the end I couldn't really bump out Brantley. Maybe Puig. Maybe I could have put Puig 26 bump. And then it's Conforto or Brantley Conforto McNeil at the end there. I could I could be talked into that because I really do like Jeff McNeil. Um, and he hit for some nice pop this year. Could have been ball-induced. Ball 
But uh, 321 career hitter now in 815 Major League Plate appearances. He's at 26. Benintendi at 30. Alex Verdugo at 51. Brian Anderson at 60 of the of the uh, Marlins. Avisal Garcia, 62. David Peralta, 64. David Peralta had a season-ending shoulder injury. Going to need to stay dialed in on that. Brian Anderson only hit 261, so maybe average. But, like, I think my point is that where he goes later in drafts, yeah, he, he offered a little bit more punch this year, too, with 20 homers in 520 plate appearances. Even a 261, though. Like, once you get late in drafts, batting average is tough to find unless it's like super empty batting average. So the fact that he's been a 267 hitter with about 16 to 18 homers uh, per season. Actually, hang on. Let's see. The last two years for Brian Anderson, yeah, 18 homers per 162 with a 268 average. That's why he falls into the batting average grouping. Uh, Brian Reynolds, 71. Luis Arise, 72. Garrett Cooper, 76. Jesse Winker, 78. Harold Ramirez, 84. And then uh, prospect Alex Kirilov at 90. I'm really intrigued by Kirilov. We'll see what happens with him. Um, he's hitting 317 in the minors. We'll see if the power can develop. Um, 90 might be a little bit high. I actually thought he hit triple A last year, but he was double A and only for 94 games. So health, health seemed to get the better of him. He probably has to move down. He is somebody to be mindful of, a uh, prospect for the Twins, but maybe on the lower end there. But he's in the average tier. So Jeff McNeil leads out here. He's awesome. He's somebody that I know Alex Chamberlain has been very high on and with good reason. Um, I mentioned Benintendi and, and how I feel about him and why I need to see more before I'm really going to rank him all that high. I mean, he was the 54th outfielder this year. Pretty gross. And the power, I just don't know that the power is really going to develop. He doesn't really have standout speed. He's on a great team. Even if they lose one of Martinez, either via free agency or bets via trade, even if they lose one of those guys, it's still going to be a strong offense. But... I don't know. It's it's. I know that he was supposed to be the uh, Christian Yelich starter kit for Benintendi, and that made a lot of sense. Now that Yelich has become one of the premier players in the game, it sounds foolish, but but it it makes sense why why that has been said. I, I don't think it's off base to even still say it and point out that. Um, that, that it could come to fruition down the line. Now, maybe not that he reaches all-world uh, all MVP-level status, but that he starts to uh, maybe tap into some more power and, and takes his game to the next level. But right now, with Benintendi, I had to have him lower, so I put him at, at 30th. Alex Verdugo is somebody who interested me coming into the year quite a bit, and I didn't get as many shares of him. I kind of peeled back a little bit. It wasn't a great season. It was the 294 average was, but only 12 homers when everybody else is hitting like 90. So, you know, it's not like he was super special. But he only played 106 games as well, so you have to count that in. Um, should have a more full time role next year, I would think. At 24, I think it's time to let him 
let him shine a bit. Although I'm looking, and I think all these guys, yeah, Peterson's still on the team. Pollock's still under deal. Obviously, Bellinger's not going anywhere. Hell, even Chris Taylor's still a uh, play-everywhere type of guy. So it might be tough for Verdugo to still lock in that playing time. And that's the tough part. So maybe he's still a deep league type of guy. Avisal Garcia quietly had a strong season and really brought some punch. He was an interesting guy. I could have maybe put him in the combo because he hit 282 with 20 and 10. Hell of a season there for Garcia. But it was a one and done with Tampa Bay. We'll see if they bring him back. I doubt it. They probably got 10 other Avisal Garcias that they're going to turn into something. Because he was coming off of a dud year in 18, Garcia was. But he's at 330, 236, 282 the last three years. 332 high, 236, too low. This year's 282 feels just right. I think he's a 270 to 285 type of guy. Sounds like a vast range. It's really not over a full season. So that's why I put him in the average first with a little bit of pop con- contribution. The speed or, or, or the stolen bases, as it were. Not, not necessarily like blinding speed for Abasal Garcia. Don't bank on that. It's 7, 4, 5, 3, and then spikes a 10. He's going to be 29 next year. Don't don't bank on that. Um, Brian Reynolds out in Pittsburgh. I've got him ranked 71st right now. He's somebody I could see moving up. I'm really intrigued by him. Hit 314 on the year. Did really well. Give you a little pop contribution at 16. Homers, 83 runs. That lineup at times was really intriguing at the top. Marte, Kevin Newman, obviously Josh Bell decimating fools. And um, and and Reynolds was part of that. 377 on base, obviously fueled by the batting average, but he did really well. Crushed righties, 334, 401, 530. Kind of held his own against lefties, 264, 318, 438. I think he's going to be I think I think Brian Reynolds has a bit of a David Peralta kind of vibe to him in in statistical profile in particular. And I loved I loved um I loved Peralta before the 33 homer season. I mean, I loved him that season too because I had him on a bunch of teams. But I used to love drafting Peralta. It was 30 homers, excuse me, because you could get him late. And you get that batting average. It was 286, 312, down to 251, but that was an injury loss season. And then 293, those were his batting averages before the 30 homer season. 8, 17, 4, 14 homers. So it's like you're plugging in that batting average with a little bit of punch. And then he popped 30 in 2018 with a 293. This year is kind of another loss season health-wise. So I'm a bit out on Peralta. That's why I've got... Actually, I'm going to say this right now. Another live change. There's no way... There's no way that Peralta should be above Reynolds right now because of the health of Peralta. And if I'm kind of comparing them from what they do statistically, I should at the very at the very least flip them. If not, put put some uh, put some distance between them. I st- I love Peralta, but his shoulder injury his shoulders have been an issue for him quite a bit in his career. I got to move him down until we really. Get get word on where he is health wise. I'm gonna move Reynolds up. I'm gonna move Reynolds up just under Garcia to 63. 
So I'm doing that on the fly here. Luis Arise, I've discussed him at some other positions. I've really been sold on him via a commenter who highlighted some interesting facts about why he could really start to develop some power um, and and why it might not just be an empty batting average situation for Luis Arise because that, that was what I was looking at. I was like 334, did little else, but makes amazing contact. So at least the average is kind of you know locked and loaded. Um We'll see if he can kind of get to that like 12 to 15 homer threshold and score a bunch of runs because then you're you're getting average runs as two pluses. Power is not killing you and then speed, whatever. He was two for four this year. In the minors, he never really ran. We'll, we'll see if he does anything with, with stolen bases, but you don't need that. But I like Luis Arise. I got him down at 72 right now. Uh, Garrett Cooper. Was pretty solid this year. Health derailed what was turning into a nice quality little season on the Marlins. He hit 281 with 15 homers in 107 games. I think he can hit 280s. And then, you know, power is, it kind of goes where it goes depending on, on the ball and everything like that. Uh, I'm not going to dive in on the rest here. Let's go to the combo group. Now, a lot of these guys are, are really in that next tier after the top 25 here, as you'll, as you'll learn. David Dahl at 27, Kyle Tucker at 28, Ramon Laureano at 29, Oscar Mercado 32, Joe Adele 33, Adam Eaton 41, Nick Senzel 42, Andrew McCutcheon 43, Will Myers 44, uh, Domingo Santana 45. And Scott Kingery at 46. So we'll stop there real quick with these 11 because there are, let's see how many, 29 guys in the combo group. So again, with this combo group, we're talking about guys who generally power speed, but a few might uh, might either either have like a third uh, statistic that they do well or um, power in something else average and speed etc etc you get you get the idea so David Dahl 27 might still be high right because we're still just kind of waiting for it to really come through even last year you know goes down with another injury and this one looked absolutely catastrophic it turned out better than than it looked uh, because it was absolutely terrifying uh, he was kind of running in center field one way and and kind of cut back the other way looked like his ankle just snapped I think it was just a big ankle uh, high ankle sprain that that cost him the rest of the season this was in like mid-september should be all right going into next year was thought to be a power speed guy coming up but now it's funny because I, I said, you know, the combo guys, a lot of them are power speed. But the very first one here is more of a power batting average guy. That, that, that's at least what I'm looking at with David Dahl. Injuries alone, I think, are really curtailing how much and, and you know, to what, uh, to what success rate he's going to be stealing. He did steal bases in the minors. He did show that off. Um at a pretty solid clip. In fact, let's uh, let's run some math real quick here. 
26 per 600 plate appearances. But in the majors so far, admittedly small sample, it's nine per 600. So he's not doing a whole bunch uh, of the base deal. And he's 14 for 21 as a major leaguer, David Dahl is. But he's hitting 297 with 38 homers in that time, which is a 26 homer pace for a full season. So average and, and power is what we're looking at with David Dahl. And, of course, being in Colorado, his counting categories would likely be good if he can play a full season. 100 games for him on the button. 413 plate appearances. Going to be 26. This is kind of it. This is the last year we're going to bet bet on the come, see what we can get. And if it doesn't really come through, we really got to move off of him. And I'm, I'm sure some of you are already saying, Bro, I, I'm, I'm done. Like, he can go be on somebody else's team and, and plague them. I'm not doing it. I get that, but I'm gonna go one more year here, and at least at least kind of see what the price looks like. If people start getting wild with David Dahl's price, I'm gonna peel back. Uh, in fact, let me see where he went in the two early mocks. Charlotte right now is trying to climb up into my lap. She's trying to scale my legs to get over. Oh, he's 37th. And where did I rank him? 27th okay so i'm higher than the market i'm okay with that if he's the 27th outfield or 37th outfielder then i am buying in for sure but maybe 27 is a little bit high right now come here Char. Char wants to be on the show hey what up i wish this was a video so you guys could see her twerpy little face do you have some thoughts on david doll oh she said she's had him in dynasty forever and he hasn't really panned out so she traded him okay Cool. Thanks for the contribution, Char. Anyway, David Dahl, 27. I'll grant that that might be a little bit high, especially because there's some guys like right behind him here on this combo group that I love. You guys know I love Ramon Laureano. I was really, really giddy about him coming into the season. And I think for the most part, he panned out. Now, I thought that there could be more speed there. That's something I need to get better at. One of the one of the issues that I've been having the last several years, and one of the major flubs was uh, doing it with Jock Peterson, and I was actually looking at another player, and I, I don't want to make this comment, so I don't even really want to throw it out there, but I was like, oh god, is he going to Jock Peterson me? Where he stole you know thirty bases per six hundred plate appearances in the minors, comes up to the majors and just just doesn't run uh, with any real impact. Uh, but I'll, I'll wait to see that on, on this particular player. But Loriano, I thought, could maybe be more of a 25-plus stolen base guy, and then we'll see where the power lands. Well, in his 123 games, he went 24-13, but 13 for 15. And so now he's 20 for 23 in the majors as a base stealer. And a full season, his full season paces right now are 27-19 and 19 for Ramon Loriano with a 288 average. So I really like where he's going. I think I'm going to make another on-the-fly move here. Pardon me. And move Loriano up above Dahl. So I'm going to put Loriano at 27. Dahl down to 28. And then Kyle Tucker goes to 29. And, you know, Kyle Tucker had an interesting season in that there were openings in Houston. And he seemed to get passed over every single time. And it began to get a little weird. Now, when they passed him over for Jordan Alvarez, it was like, okay, 
You saw what Alvarez is doing in the minors, and then what he did in the majors. That all made sense. That, that that panned out as the right decision. But then, you know, Abraham Toro comes up, and, and Miles Straw was getting opportunities. And no matter what, it seemed that Tucker couldn't get that couldn't get that opportunity, despite putting up a 30-30 season in the minors. Well, we finally got a chance, just a little flash, 72 plate appearances, which actually happened to be exactly how many he got last year. And this shows you kind of the uh, the volatility of a small sample. Not that you all don't know. I know I know the folks listening here. I don't need to school you all on small samples. But just to kind of underscore it with, with this one example here, the volatility of, of what 72 plate appearances is, because it means nothing. In 72 plate appearances last year, Kyle Tucker put up a 28 WRC+. plus. Awful. Hit 141. Because he had a 176 BABIP, nothing got going. This year, 72 plate appearances, a 122 mark. BABIP jumped up to 326. The power started to come through. He actually hit four homers with five stolen bases as well. He was a little contributor down the stretch there for those that uh, that were using Kyle Tucker. I think his playing time was too sporadic to be more than like a deep league play. Let me, I'm looking at that right now. Yeah, because he didn't even start all the games that he played. He played 22 and started 12 of them. So there's no way you could get all of it unless it was AL only or super deep mixer. Bottom line, though, I've been impressed with what I've seen out of Kyle Tucker this year, both at the minor leagues and in the major leagues. Or I should say, uh, not both, I'll say all in the minor leagues, the major league regular season, and the playoff. Three, three different aspects of his game this year. He only has he doesn't have like great numbers in the playoffs like he's two for thirteen or something. Uh, hang on, let me scroll down. He's two for twelve with three walks, but a lot of strong at bats. I've just been impressed seeing him on the biggest stages of the playoffs. Kyle Tucker taking some quality at bats. Power and speed are there. The opportunity should be there next year too. I mean, it's it's time. Here's the thing. He's been around for a while. Really feels like uh, prospect fatigue might be setting in. I'll remind you, he's just 23 next year. He's just 23. Don't give up on Kyle Tucker. Don't even come close to doing that. He was 41st in the two early mocks. I'm taking that all day, obviously, if I've got him here at 29. Um, so I really, I really like him. Next up was Oscar Mercado, Joe Adele, Adam Eaton. Mercado is another one in, in kind of the Loriano camp of somebody that I really liked, who I feel panned out for me this year. He went 15-15 in 115 games. Really like what Mercado was able to do. I think he's a solid bet for next year. He's kind of a 2020 player with a full season. Solid, uh, nice 269 average. Um, you know, even with a 318 OBP, he was pacing for 100 runs over a full season. So if he's at the top of the Cleveland lineup, which should be solid, if they don't trade, well, we'll see. They're talking about trading Lindor. God, to be a Cleveland fan and have to deal with crap like that. You better get back such a haul to trade Lindor. I don't even want to get into it. But, um, you know, it should be a decent little lineup there. And, you know, Santana, Ramirez, Fernando Reyes driving in Mercado. If he can up that OBP up, you know, a little bit, let's say more in the 330 range, he was at 318, 
because he doesn't really strike out a lot, but he only walked 6% of the time. He showed some some ability to walk in the minors, in the high minors last year. 11% in uh, AAA, actually each of the last two years, 18 and 19 with Cleveland. Now that's a total, a total in those two seasons of 62 games. So I don't want to overrate it. And it was it was higher than, than he'd ever done. But if he can get that kind of eye going, or even just closer to like 8%, um, I think he can get his OBP up to around 330. That's more stolen base opportunities. That's more run scoring opportunities. Decent little pop. I like Oscar Mercado a lot. Um, next up was Joe Adell. Now, this is kind of a flag in the in the ground type of deal. I like I like Joe Adell. I think he can be high impact if he comes up or you know relatively early. And the question is, will he, though? He did have a three-level season, high A, double A, triple A, the latter being the worst, a 27-game sample in triple A where he didn't really get going, but he was strong in double A. He's in the Arizona Fall League, which is kind of known as a finishing school. That doesn't mean that he's going to break camp with the club, but hopefully that means that go down. I would put him down for a month in triple A. Unless he just absolutely obliterates the league and forces his way up. But I say give him another 30 games down there. See if he can kind of adjust his second time around. Because that's what he did at double A. He wasn't great at double A in 18. Joe Adele wasn't. He went from a 753 OPS to a 944. Give him a second time around at triple A. See what he can do. See if he can prove, hey, I can hang here. I'm ready to go. And then come up to the majors and flex that power-speed combo, he could be really interesting. I might have to move him down a little bit and acknowledge, hey, I like him, but if he is going to miss a month. That's the thing, though, right? He can be a top 35 outfielder for in a five-month sample. But do you want to draft him as such and then have to hold him for that month? That's the tricky part. So... Maybe this is worth a deeper dive in like an article about Adele and, and some of the other prospects coming up. I do like him, though. I'm going to leave him here for now and kind of adjust as the winter progresses, though. Next up uh, was Adam Eaton. He's just kind of a bland, solid combo guy, a little power speed. Nothing, nothing that really makes or breaks your team, but... You kind of love it as I call them glue guys. You know, you look up at the end of the year and you're like, oh, that was pretty good. 15 15, 103 runs, 279 average from Eaton. Now, that was healthy. Something that has eluded him coming into this season. With Washington, he'd played 23 and 95 games the two years before that. So we weren't really sure what, what we were getting with Eaton. Now, if you looked at what he did, in those two seasons on a 162 pace, which is just what it does when you when you click the two lines on, on baseball reference. I know nobody really plays that, so maybe back off back it off a little bit. You know, take a homer or two and a steal or two away for what you can realistically get. Because most guys, even the high level guys, play like one fifty. Like that should be the high expectation. A handful of guys will play 162, but that number seems to dwindle every year. But in 17 and 18 for Eaton, he was a 10-17 
uh, guy with a 300 average and 109 runs. Well, then this year you, you factor in juicier ball and he goes 15-15 with 103 runs, 279 average. It all fits. So at 31, it's hard to bet on his health. I put him at at uh, 31 years old, by the way, and, and I got him at 41 rank. I didn't want to be confusing there. He just kind of is what he is, you know, solid, if unspectacular, going to get the job done. The market is not going to charge you a, a, a premium on him. He was the 69th outfielder off the board, which is nice. I mean, that that's a damn fine price. I, I'm, I'm down to pay that uh, all day long for for Adam Eaton. If I've obviously if I've got him up here at, at forty one and he's going as the sixty ninth, you gotta love that. So um what's next here? Oh now we got a few injury concerns. We got Nick Senzel coming off of a labrum surgery and just health has been problematic for him throughout his young career thus far. He had the labrum surgery on, let's see here, sorry, um, late September, going to need, I think it was what, five to six months, that's what we heard for Mondesi. Okay, I'm, I'm going to check myself here, I think 43 might be a little bit too high with that. Uh, so I'm going to make another move on the fly. I'm going to move him behind Scott Kingery, who is at 47. Kingery will go to 46, Senzel to 47. Senzel might even need to go another level lower. Maybe just a he- in between like a Lourdes Gurriel and Alex Verdugo at 50, 50 and 51, respectively. Smash him in between those two. I, either way, I'm gonna, I'll park him here at 47 for Nick Senzel down from 42 i'll park him there and say keep an eye on everything coming into the season if health's looking good and he might miss you know a little bit of time or or none obviously would be great but if he's gonna miss like you know oh slated to start on april 11th or something okay i'm fine drafting him there if it's like ah he could miss all of april then we start to peel back and and really uh be cautious with everything uh but i do like what the skills that Nick Senzel offers when he's playing. It's just a matter of when he's freaking playing. He went 12 and 14 in 104 games. Four and four, I don't know why I keep saying games. I should be saying plate appearances. I'm sorry. 12 and 14 in 414 plate appearances. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon's another one that you really want to maintain uh, the news on coming into spring. Season ending ACL surgery on June 24th. Uh, actually, no. On June 13th, they said he'll undergo it on Friday. Let me see what that. Let me click the calendar real quick. So that would be the 14th. 14th. So mid-June. What What is an ACL recovery in baseball? I don't even know. In football, it's a year. You know, you just, you just know. But in baseball, I, I don't think it's as long. And I think he could be back. Problem is, he's obviously a bit older. Let me see if I can find some news on Andrew McCutcheon's ACL injury as far as expectations of when he's supposed to come back uh, let me click this real quick bear with me here I should have looked this up coming in I didn't even think 
that, yeah, I mean, he might not be ready for the start of the season. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon to ACL. Um, not really seeing anything here that even estimates from from like when he got hurt. I'm not even seeing an estimation. Oh, Matt Gelb, th this is when he got hurt. Hopes to be ready for opening day. Obviously, that's in June. That's, you know, being most promising possible. Stay tuned, right? Again, I'm going to park McCutcheon here at 43. And we'll play it by ear as we get more information in February and March about his health. I'm really bummed, man. McCutcheon was somebody I was getting everywhere. And my, my idea behind it was this is a lock for just a boatload of runs and I gotta be honest I was right I mean <laughs> call it like I see it here and that's why he is in the combo by the way because it's power runs is are the two factors that I'm expecting out of McCutcheon you know mid-20s homers 100 plus runs and I was thinking 110 was kind of the starting point for him last year now it's 59 games 262 plate appearances but McCutcheon was on pace for 124 runs because he gets on base at such a great clip, and you know that the middle of that lineup. Now, I thought Hoskins was going to be better, but Harper Hoskins, I thought they were going to drive him in all day. And they were to that point, 45 runs in that time. Um, and he had hit 10 homers, so he was on pace for 28. It was going to be a nice season out of McCutcheon. Really bummed that uh, that it was cut short. But I still like him. I'm going to keep an eye. And I think that with his age creeping up and health being a problem or being a concern, excuse me, that McCutcheon could be cheap. He was the 58th outfielder off the board in the two early mocks. I got him up here at 43. Um, so I'm a little bit higher than the market. Will Myers, Domingo Santana, Scott Kingery. Will Myers could be moved in the offseason. We'll see where he goes and what that would do. You know, one of his biggest concerns is health. And yet he played 155 games, 490 plate appearances. Well, look at that. Now that's an interesting disparity, right? He played 155 games, but only 490 plate appearances. That's why the games, that's why you shouldn't mention games. You should say plate appearances. Because two years ago, 2017, he played 155 and had 649. So his role clearly dwindled. There were a lot of sub-in games. He was probably batting lower more often. Let me look, Will Myers. I didn't have him anywhere this year. He was somebody I was kind of peeling back on as far as the hype. I just didn't like him as much. Um, yeah, he he batted two, second, I should say. He had 98 plate appearances there, but then the bulk of his plate appearances were 5-6-7, 99, 130, 53, respectively. And then how often did he come in as a sub? 57 plate appearances as a sub, 49 of his games. And he went 18-16. You know, so he has a power-speed combo, but under 60 on the runs and ribbies, 239 average. It's pretty bland. Now, I, I would hope that the market would give a bigger discount. They have him going at 57th. I've got him at 44. I'm still ahead of the market. But on this kind of season, I was hoping maybe Will Myers would go cheaper. Then I'd be more bought in. As it stands, meh. Big fat meh. Um, I just, I don't know. I don't really feel great about it. By the way, I'm checking time here. 
I wonder if we're going to be able to do, we're going to have to save the power and speed groupings for a separate pod. Or we go Megapod here. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But Will Myers, I'm kind of tepid on. I don't want to say I'm out on because he's not expensive enough to truly be out on. It's like, you know, if it fits, then take him as as your draft is pro- progressing. Um, Domingo Santana, maybe he's more of a power than a combo guy. He only stole eight. Now it was in a hundred. It was in five hundred seven plate appearances, and he doesn't really have a, a good enough team to be a runs or RBIs uh, a bankable asset there. Let's do his full season pace real quick just to see where those eight steals would have been. He would have been at twenty nine and eleven, which is in line with that thirty fifteen season. He had a couple. Okay, I'm gonna stick with him as a combo guy. Um. Guess Domingo Santana's age right now. If you don't know it offhand, obviously I can't fact check you anyway. It doesn't matter. You're screaming into the void. But just say, just say what you think he is. Because I don't know. I think I thought he was older. Some of you might might think he's younger. He's 26 this year. He's gonna be 27 next year. You know, he's still in the midst of his peak, ostensibly. He wasn't bad. He started off great and then really tanked. He just swings and misses too much. There's just too much swing and miss from Domingo Santana's game. He chased less. His O-swing percentage was down, but that means he's swinging in the zone. He maintains that high Babbitt very well. People are always waiting for that to fall. 359, 363, 386 coming into this year. Oh, he can't maintain that. Yeah, he put 340. He put up a 347 this year. That's not bad. It helps maintain the average at a decent clip, 253. But because he's because he strikes out so much, he doesn't fully maximize the Babbitt. He's kind of like Will Myers. He's pretty blah, pretty blah. In fact, I'm gonna make another move on the fly. While he hasn't done it yet, I like Kingery more than both of them. I'm gonna move Kingery up, so they're 43, 44, 45, 46 now in my listing. McCutcheon. Kingery, Myers, Santana. They're all in a row, and then Senzel after them. They're all in a row in the ranking, too. Not just uh, not just in this combo grouping, but in the actual overall ranking. I have them right by each other. I'm a sucker for Kingery. I don't know. Maybe it's because he was really good for me in the summer, and I, I want to make sure I I don't overrate him because of that. You know, Don't overrate somebody because they, they succeeded for you at a period of time in one of your leagues. But it was in my 10-team head-to-head points league he was on the wire early because he just wasn't playing enough for such a league i scooped him in early june he went off and i really got great play out of him from june through august then in september october i I spotted him more because he really fell off 191 232 393 i was still playing him some but not all the time bottom line is kingery went 19 and 15 in 500 plate appearances uh 64 runs 55 ribs there's still more here. Now, he is a little bit more fully formed. Remember, he got that deal coming into 18 because he was, you know, a 24-year-old breakout. Like, he busted through in 2017 in the minors at age 23, and part of it was Redding. That environment is very friendly, and part of it was that he was a little bit older at 23. Not old, but older. As I say, okay, well, you're ready. Let's sign you and get you up brutal rookie season like just a total flop in 18 
but not a bad year last year. And, you know, I'm a sucker for multi-position. Kingery has um, third base and shortstop. Oh, not shortstop unless you play in a 15 or lower league. He had 18 games there. But it's outfield, third base, and maybe short and second if you play in a league that counts maybe 10 games. 10 10 at second, 18 at short. Let me get a drink here. But I really like Kingery. Um, I still think, you know, he's kind of figuring some things out. He's going to be 26 next year. Really need to bring that strikeout rate down. Now, maybe it's unreasonable to expect that. And I, I, I will say, I'm not expecting it. I'm hoping that Kingery can cut into it and bring it down to more of like a 22% rate. Now, that'd be seven points off. I think that would change things drastically for him. That that small change. Chase less, focus on more contact. I think the batting average could go way up into like the 280s. Maybe you sacrifice a few homers, but you're getting on base a lot more, giving you more opportunities to steal, scoring more runs. It could make him a real dynamic player, not just for fantasy, because obviously he doesn't give a shit about our fantasy teams. But for the for the uh Phillies too, I almost said Padres. I think it'd make him more dynamic for the Phillies as well. Now, he was he was thrust into some uh, leadoff territory when McCutcheon went down, and it didn't work. 197, 271, 333 in his 129 plate appearances there. Uh, he really excelled in the middle, middle back end, 567. That's where he really did his damage. And that's okay. Obviously, if that's where he has to bat, that'll cut down. If if McCutcheon does come back, you know, Kingery's not going to bat high. Seven was actually his absolute best spot. 297, 347, 572. Now that, I, I don't want to get too much on like six versus seven or, or even five versus seven. Because that's generally the same part of the lineup. There can be small changes there. Now, top of the order versus bottom or middle of the order... Those are differences, but five versus seven isn't one versus two isn't that huge of a difference. But Kingery's probably going to be a, a middle back end guy in that five to seven range. When McCutcheon's back, it'll be McCutcheon, Romuto, Harper, Hoskins, and then Kingery could be as high as there. But that's Segura, Hernandez, Kingery in some order. So I like him. I'm still going to buy. The market says 50th for the outfield. I've got him 44th. I'm pretty much in line with the market there. All right, next up on our group here, we have Luis Robert at 52, AJ Pollock at 54. I'll, I'll cover those two real quick because then it's a drop down into the 60s. Um, I, be- I believe Luis himself has said it's Robert. I, I want to say that that's correct. I try to get these names right. You guys might notice that I say Jordan Alvarez, there's a tweet from Craig Mish from the beginning of the year saying that Jeff Lunau said that Alvarez wants his name pronounced with a J. I don't hear anybody else doing it, but I'm going off of the GM saying it. If you have proof to the contrary, please let me know. I'm 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 always down to be corrected on, on pronunciations. I don't want to sound like a dipshit. I mean, I will with what I say. Uh, you know, my, my advice will make me sound like a dipshit. <laughs> But I don't want my pronunciations to. Uh, but Robert's coming off of an amazing triple level, 30-30 season. Uh, high A, double A, triple A. You know, 
he didn't really falter at any level either. He torched high A. That was for 84 plate appearances. Like, whoop, we, you need a much bigger challenge. So go to double A. Spent 244 plate appearances there. So he went from a 1432 OPS. Uh, like I said, he just killed high A. Uh, to a very capable 880 in double A. Then like, well, let's see if you can handle triple A. Up to, up to 974. And it was a really big power break out there. Of course, the ball influences that without a doubt. Um, similar plate, similar samples, 244 and 223 plate appearances in double and triple A respectively. And he went from eight to 16 homers. The ball, no doubt influenced that. And, uh, the speed kind of flipped. He had 21 steals in double A and then seven in triple. Of course, when you're hitting a bunch of extra base hits, you don't have as many opportunities to steal. Simple fact is he only hit. Let's see what this number would be. That'd be 31. He only hit 29 singles in, uh, he only hit 29 singles in triple A, 44 singles in double A. So Lewis Robert didn't even have as many opportunities to steal just based on the fact that he was mashing at triple A. Excellent, excellent three level season though. I think he should be up relatively early. I would love if they could work a deal and he could break camp, but we, you know, we can't bank on anything like that. So we're going to assume that he's going to be down for a couple weeks to start the season. But then, you know, why wouldn't they get him get him up there? I mean, their outfield sucks. Um, when Jimenez isn't in it, if he's a DH, it's uh, projected to be Lurie Garcia, Adam Engel, and I don't even know. Daniel Polka? I don't freaking know, dude. I mean, because right now, roster resource, we have Eloy Jimenez at DH. That's why I say that. They actually have Robert penciled in at right field right now because they're kind of doing a, a projected roster for next year. Uh, they also have Luis Alexander Bazabe coming up. He's another interesting prospect. Now, I think he had a rough year in the minors, but he is intriguing for sure. Oh, you know what's crazy? This is wild to me. Maybe I just see this as a unique name because I've never heard the name before, but Luis Alexander Bazabe, there's a Luis Alejandro Bazabe in the Arizona organization. How crazy is that? You know, Luis Bazabe, okay, maybe that can have a repeat, but the fact that the middle names are pretty similar, Alexander and Alejandro, that's wild, right? Am I crazy? Does it matter? No, who cares? Okay, moving on. Uh, Bazabe had a high A, or uh, excuse me, low A, double A split season. Only played 74 games. Okay, so health was a big issue. He did not perform well, but health was an issue. I don't think he's going to be on the team until the summer, and that would that would require some strong performance first. But as far as Robert goes, I don't think he'll be down very long. Maybe another 20 games at AAA, get the extra year, call him up. Now, if they go out, you know, last year they were in on Harper and Machado legitimately. They were really trying to sign one of them as kind of their first big step toward getting back to competing. And it made sense. I thought either would have fit. They couldn't get either done. They could do that again this year and really push for a, a top-level free agent. They're not getting Garrett Cole. Now, 
as far as Rendon goes, if he must, you know, if he's saying like I gotta play third, I wonder if they'd move Moncada to second and try for him, and try and try for Rendon, or or if Strasburg opts out, maybe they go for him. Those are really the only three like, or I guess JD Martinez too, but that's another like DH type with Jimenez. But I don't know if they're going to go for a big ticket again this year or maybe kind of play in the middle. Maybe they get like a Marcelo Zuna or they bring Nicholas Castellanos over from from the uh, from the north side. But I wonder if they're going to try to make a move, a big move again. And then if they do, if they let's say they sign like two relatively big free agents, you know, just a, a big pitcher and, and a Marcelo Zuna type like that caliber, which would be an impact move. Then do they work to get a Robert deal done so that they can be trying to compete from day one? They were 72 and 89 last year. That's not a great record, but they're not far off. And obviously their their arrow was pointing up. They had some really good breakout seasons. Giolito becoming an ace was incredible. Um, they need more pitching for sure. That's why, you know, if they were going to get into the market, I, I mean... Go for Cole, try, but they're not going to get him. So you do you, you, it's Strasburg if he opts out, or a Zach Wheeler. Um, you you work you work the pitching market for sure, and maybe maybe a hitter secondarily. Um, but yeah, I'm intrigued by them. I'm intrigued by Luis Robert. I'm getting bogged down here. Sorry, let's move on. AJ Pollock was the other guy there. You know, he reminds me a bit of Adam Eaton in that you look up. Um, when he plays those full seasons, and you're like, oh, that was a damn fine season. They're just so rare these days. 12, 112, 113, 86. That's his games played the last four years for AJ Pollock. And he's going to be 32. He can be a power speed guy when he plays, but it's just rare. That's the problem. Uh, all right, now the 60s are littered with combo guys. I've got Shinsu Chu. At 63, Ryan Braun at 66, Danny Santana at 67, Trenton Grisham at 68, and Brendan Nimmo at a very nice 69. Um, let me see here. Now, with Chu, you're like, well, he's 36. Was he really a combo guy? Oh, he was. 24-15, baby. And he's still really sharp on the bases. 15 for 16. His last three years... All of which were full seasons for Chu, by the way. 636, 665, and 660 on the plate appearances. He's 33 for 38 on the bases. That's freaking fantastic. He's an OBP god, 368 in those three seasons. Averages 22 homers a year. Um, 91 runs because, you know, he's, a, he's almost a three-category combo guy. Especially if you're a little suspect on the speed because it's 12, 6, 15. If you're kind of planning for more of 10 and, and you don't feel like that's really impact, then you could say power runs are the two categories for Chu that you can feel like you can comfortably get. Even at 37. Even at 37, I think we're still looking at Chu as somebody who can deliver. And he did keep his outfield eligibility with several games in the outfield. 81, in fact. 62 at DH. Now, he might DH this year. Um, but at 37, he's still kicking. He's still playing damn fine baseball. I like him at 63. Ryan Braun. Actually, I'm going to skip Ryan Braun for a moment and stay on teammate Danny Santana. Now, based on the season he just had, 
he's far too low. I grant that. At 67, he was probably like a top 25 outfielder. Let me see. Santana was 17th. Yeah, he was top 20. Um, 28 homers, 21 steals, 81 runs, 81 ribs, um, and a 283 average. Just a brilliant season. But that came out of nowhere, man. And the market is not putting a tax on Danny Santana. He was 63rd in the two early mocks. That's around pick 210. Even a jump up. Even a big jump up to say the 45th outfielder off the board would be pick 155. Which is still, you know, you're talking 10th round in a 15-teamer. It's a, you know, it's not a cheap pick. It's not something that it's a throwaway pick, but it's a lot more affordable than you would think somebody of that caliber would be. And it's because the market is suspect on uh, the market suspect on Danny Santana as well as as they damn well should be. Let me be clear, but I've got him as you know, I've got him here at sixty. Third, or excuse me, 67. I wonder if. I definitely think Domingo Santana should be closer to Danny. I don't know if they're a flip, but I think I should move Domingo closer to him. Or maybe, maybe, maybe it's a double move. Danny Santana up a little bit, Domingo Santana down a little bit. I don't know. I'm making a move there on the fly. I'm not going to get back into Domingo, but. I got Danny Santana at 67 right now. I could see moving him up a handful of spots. Chu is 37 after all. Maybe he should at least be above teammate Chu. I'll move Danny Santana to 61 right now. A small little bump. But, I mean, he struck out 30% of the time. He walked 5%. He had a 24% homer to fly ball rate. If the ball goes back at all, I mean, he has a 42% chase rate. There's a lot to be skeptical of in this profile. That said, there's also some wiggle room, right? Because, okay, let's say the ball goes back to neutral. But let's say Danny Santana still gets the playing time. If he's like a 15-20 guy or even a 12-20 guy with a 260 average and 75 runs, that's still pretty good. So he can come way off of this season and still be useful. And he should have multi-eligibility, right? Yes. Outfield, first base. And then in shallow, in leagues that, that are less stringent, 17 games at second base. Only nine at short, though, and only eight at third. But in season, his, he's likely to gain eligibility again in a bunch of spots for Danny Santana. So you love to see that. Uh, circling back to Braun, he's a little bit... Chu like in that he just continues to perform. He's younger than Chu. I don't. I don't want to go too far with that comp, but um, eh, not that much younger. He's gonna be thirty six next year, so he's a year younger. But twenty two and eleven this year after twenty and eleven last year, two eighty five average. The average spiked back up. He's just solid. I mean, Braun's just solid. Now you're gonna miss time, but you're also gonna be able to fill in that roster spot with other guys in the outfield. I think he is starting to see a little bit of a platoon situation. Health is always a problem. I think 2010 is a safe bet for for Braun. But it's a ho-hum 
whatever. Now, sticking with his teammate, Trent Grisham, unfortunately ended his season on a remarkable down note of the blundered ball in the outfield. Really seemed to hit a bounce and kind of get away from him. You feel for the kid for sure. I know if you're a Washington fan, I think even if you're a Washington fan, you can feel for him while still being very happy that your team benefited from it. I would hope. I, I would I would certainly hope. I know I, you know, I, I, would, I would feel that way. Even if I were a Nats fan, I'd be like, damn, that sucks that he had to kind of be the GOAT. But hopefully he doesn't let it linger and says, hey, it was just a misplay, no big deal, moving on. As far as his performance, though, he put up a 26-12 season in the minors, and that was in double and triple A. 441 point appearances came up to the majors only went six and one but i think has an interesting power speed profile trent grisham does he's going to be 23 next year he's somebody to kind of remember you may remember him as trent clark that's who he was as a profile he changed his last name that's who he was as a prospect i should say not as a profile what the hell um as a prospect he was trent clark and he was a top 100 guy a couple seasons back in 16 and 17 petered out a bit in 18 uh surged here in 19 let me see if uh let me see the performance breakdown okay i was gonna say did he just do all the damage in triple a he did surge in triple a but he was good in double a of course that was at age 22 for trent grisham but he went 13 and 6 in both leagues it took 283 plate appearances to do it in double a 159 158 to do it in triple a but he's solid he's solid you see the 26 and 12 that he performed in 97 games as a minor leaguer i think that could be a full season for him in the majors i'd probably do more of like a i would raise the batting average or excuse me i would raise the stolen bases a little bit and and drop the power i would say more of like a 22 18 type of guy he could be next year the batting average i think will be decent he can take a walk he had an 11 percent walk rate he didn't strike out a ton in the majors he had a, he had some issues early uh ironed them out particularly this past season where he was 18 at double a 14 at triple a with his strikeout rate but then 26 in the majors if he gets that down to 22 percent with and keeps the walk rate at at in 9 to 11% range. I think he can hit 255, 22 and 18 for Trent Grisham. You like that. You like that. Just perfectly solid. And by the way, I'm going to say um I am going to cap it after these after these combo guys here and then I'll do power speed guys as a solo and that'll cover that will cover 44 other outfielders and we'll go a little bit deeper on them either tomorrow or on Thursday. Tomorrow, meaning Wednesday, um, if you're not listening to this the day it came out, which is Tuesday the 29th. Uh, Brandon Nimmo is our last one of this little grouping. He is at a very nice 69 ranking, but his season was not very nice, and I'm a little torn on him. I'm not even 100% sure that he should be listed as a combo guy. Um, it's primarily a little punch, a little speed, and runs. So it's, it's not excelling at any one thing. It's more of a triple contribution where all three are kind of solid, if unspectacular. Like I said, this past season was tough. If it wasn't for his OBP at 375, it would have been a real shit season for Nimmo. But he had an 18% walk rate that sustained him. 
and gave him that big, gaudy OBP. Um, he's ranked 69th, and he's played 69 games in two of the last three years. My dude loves this very nice number. Um, there's skills here, though. He can get on base. I do wonder when the average and power lag behind a bit and, and you have this big of an OBP, are you, are you bordering toward passivity? Is he not swinging at enough stuff instead looking for a walk instead of looking for his pitch to drive? I don't know. He's going to be 27 next year, though, so it's a little bit time to, to do something here. Can he give us like a 18-10 season? With a boatload of runs because of how often he gets on base. Can he stay healthy, really, right? I'm I'm not just mentioning the 69-game seasons two out of the last three years to get in a nice joke, but rather to point out that health has been a problem for Nimmo. So I'm intrigued by him. He might be a little high. I think I'm going to move him on the fly here down a little bit. Where's the market got him? 75th. I had him 69th. Okay, maybe I am in line. And I don't have to be. Like I, I don't want to make it sound like, oh, I have to be in line with the market for it to be valid. I don't, I, I'm fine being ahead or below the market. I just wanted to see where I was in relation. 69th, he could range as low. We're in, we're in a glob right now. And I think he could range as low as 90 and it wouldn't be that crazy. I've got a couple prospects at 89 and 90. So instead of comparing him to them, I'll say that uh, Mike Talkman's at 88, Harrison Bader at 91. If Nimmo were down there, would it be that surprising? No. And yet that's a group of that's a group of 23 outfielders. So it feels like a big dip, but it's not. We're starting to glob up quite a bit here. But that's Nimmo. Uh, next group, uh, Ian Desmond at 73, Austin Hayes at 77, Gregory Polanco at 80, Dylan Carlson at 81. And then I'll do the next group here. So Ian Desmond, my dumbass can't quit that guy. I mean, I kind of have here with this ranking. This is not... This is not a strong ranking. With some of the maneuvering I've done, he's actually bumped up to 72 on the official sheet right now. But, um, I mean, they're still going to play him. They're still paying him. They're still going to play him. Sunk cost is not something that teams understand. Now, here's the interesting thing, though. They already they front loaded the deal. He made twenty two mil in eighteen. Ian Desmond did fifteen this last year, fifteen next year, and then eight. So he's gonna be making fifteen next year, which is not cheap. You know, it's not it's not nothing. But I don't think it's something where you're like, well, we're paying him fifteen mil. We gotta start him every day. No, you freaking don't. And uh, some of you might be raising your hand to ask the question of how is he in the combo if he only stole three bases last year. But it was it was you know consistent 20s every year until this year. I mean, there was a 15 mixed in, but that was in 95 games. And then the only full season where he was under 20 was 13 back in 2015 for Ian Desmond. And he had a 290 OBP. But he went 20 and 3 this year with a 255 average. He's going to be 34. I, I don't think... I don't think with a modicum of health and a proper... No... Saying saying this phrase feels weird for somebody on Colorado. With a proper playing time deployment, they have no idea what the hell that is. But for me, it would be regularly starting against lefties and mixing in against righties to kind of get the most out of an Ian Desmond. 
I think he, he could get back to, you know, like a 20, a 2015 type of guy. I don't think he's completely lost his ability to run just because he only stole three this past year. Although, oh, no, never mind, never mind. I was going to say his speed went down, but it was like a half foot. And it was at 27.5 feet per second. He was at 27.7 back in 2017. And then, oh my God, Charlotte just farted and it's death. Holy crap. She's sitting in my lap. Oh my God. Are you okay? Did you eat four pounds of eggs? Oh my God. Okay, you got to get in your bed. Hang on, yo. You got to get in your little shark bed. Holy stink bug. Oh, that was not great, y'all. It's so bad that some of y'all might be able to smell it through the microphone. It might come through your phone right now, in which case I apologize. Charlotte tooted, and holy hell, it was bad. That's what she thinks of Ian Desmond's season, though. And frankly, I don't blame her. I do think that even with Coors protection and Colorado protection, meaning that they're going to play him because they're dumb, even with that, I think he should be moved down. I'm gonna move him down. I'm gonna move I'm gonna move Ian Desmond down to eighty-two. So the lowest of this group that we're gonna talk about, which again is Desmond Hayes, Polanco, and Dylan Carlson, a prospect for the Cardinals. Because it's gonna be thirty-four. That was a really bad season. Um he lost his eligibility. He's only outfield now. He doesn't have first and outfield. A lot of factors working against him. My dumbass will still buy a share in a league. I'm sure of it because he'll be super cheap and I'll be like, eh, you know, we But I'm not going to make a habit of, of picking up Ian Desmond shares. So moving on, next up was Austin Hayes. Austin Hayes for Baltimore. I believe he got some good run in 18 as like, hey, he could be somebody coming up, doing some things. And then he had a pretty rotten season, only played 75 games. So coming into this year, it was more Cedric Mullins than uh, Austin Hayes. And Mullins flopped. Hayes had a pretty solid season. It was actually a four-level season. Now, he only played... Five games in low A, nine games in high A, 14 in double A, but then 59 in triple A. Still only 108 games total, though. Without knowing his full backstory and profile, it seems that health has been a major concern for Hayes, though. He's not putting up full seasons, I don't know, ever. He has like one, I think, here out of his entire pro career. But... He did well. He uh, put up, well, he didn't even do that well. <laughs> His minor league numbers weren't that great. I thought they were better. I, I had this memory of him. You know what I think I'm doing? Because I am an idiot. I think I'm confusing Austin Hayes with somebody else. I think I am. No, maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm just wrong. How about that? I, just ju- I was just wrong. Plain and simple, I was wrong. Anyway, back to Hayes. He finished well. You know, he put up a little uh, 309, 373, 574 in his 75 plate appearance sample in the majors. Four homers, two steals. He's not a big burner by any stretch, 
But I think he could be one of those guys that if he plays all year, um, you know, 25 and 11 type of deal. So that's why he's a combo guy. Oh, you know what it was, by the way, as far as where his hype was? It was generated after he hit 32 homers in 2017. That's what it was with Hayes. But anyway, ho-hum. I know there's some of you Hayes backers out there. I'm going to ask you to sell me on him a bit. Because I'm not that sold, and I'd like to hear if I'm missing something. Not that, you know, 75 is a perfectly adequate ranking. It's whatever. Let's see where the market is. The market had him at 119. Wow, I'm way ahead of the market. So maybe I am too high. This is one where I see it like that and I don't have a strong read on a guy. And that that is that's why I checked the market to kind of check myself. Like, okay, do I need to reassess here? If I'm that far ahead, like say, you know, with the, the aforementioned Loriano, I was above the market on him for most of draft season until he really started to push up. But I knew that and I was fine with that because I love Ramon Laureano with Austin Hayes I might just be too far out in front but let me know let me know if there's something I'm missing and I'll assess him further but let's move on to our next guy here Gregory Polanco if you guys think I can't quit Ian Desmond let me introduce you to Gregory Polanco my goodness <sighs> another disappointment man 42 games before health cut him down. Let me rip his knee. I can't remember what it was. I'm looking it up. It was... Oh, shoulder. It was a shoulder situation. And uh, surgically repaired left shoulder. Did not... Did not finish the year. Uh, was there something else? I know last season... Last season being 18... Was shut down early because of health as well. I just want to get the full lay of the land on his on his DL stints. So yeah, it was it was dislocated left shoulder and and labrum surgery that ended his 18. And I think he had a knee situation that at that same time on a slide, but it was the shoulder that ended the season. So I think the knee went under the radar. But then the left shoulder flared back up this year, limited him to 42 games. He's going to be 28 next year. Power was already something that's like, is it going to develop? Is it really going to come through? We don't know. I might need to move Polanco down too. I like him, dude. I really do. But damn. He's going to be 28, I think. Yeah, 28. Really dealing with health issues. That might be too high. I might have to move him down into the 80s until we see and, and it could be one of those where okay if he comes back he looks strong in spring I'll move him up accordingly but until I see that I think 85 is the move oh, that's a bummer really like pulling it's not a huge dip but it's a dip nonetheless let's dive into Dylan Carlson got a lot of Cardinals fans in my uh in my twitch stream and they've been raving about this guy all year uh, obviously, he's moving up prospect boards. A lot of love. This was a big pop-up season for Dylan Carlson. I don't think he came into the season ranked as a uh, as a prospect. Um, actually, let me check that. Let me check my work on that. Ranked meaning I don't think he was a universal top 100. I, I want to see if we had him, though. Let's see. 
I might be full of shit. No, he was not. Dylan Carlson was not a top 100 guy coming into the year. Let's see where he ranked on the Cardinals system. On the, He was fourth on the Cardinals list, but that was because it was not a super deep list. So, he goes out, has this season that he has here, and puts himself on the map. And now, in the updated 2019, uh, in the updated mid-season rankings, Dylan Carlson jumped up to 40. So, that's pretty impressive. And... It was on the on the back of a big two-level season, double and triple A, similar to some of these other guys where he did very well in double A, but then took a ne- the next level. Oh, never mind, never mind, never mind. Blah, 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 blah. I was only looking at the uh, slash. He did the bulk of his damage in double A. That's where he made his season. 21 homers, 18 steals, 281, 364, 518 slash in 483 plate appearances. The 20-year-old Dylan Carlson got a 79 plate appearance uh, jaunt at triple a killed it 361 418 681 but he made he made the name he really delivered at double a so it wasn't even like juiced ball influenced if he had been in triple a longer who knows what he would have done but he kicked butt really put himself on the map big time prospect now may force not force their hand but but allow them to really pass on giving Marcelo Zuna a big deal, and you open the year with Tyler O'Neill, Dexter Fowler, Tommy Edmond, and Harrison Bader as your four outfielders, so you can give Ed, uh, you can give O'Neill a real shot, and if he can't hack it, Carlson breathing down his neck after a month or so in AAA, especially if he kills it the way he did throughout nineteen. Um, so yeah, Dylan Carlson's not like a speedster, but he's got league average speed, I think, to go with the pop, so he could be like a 2020 type of guy. And he was 26-20 last year. He was 11-8 and the year before in 498 plate appearances. Interesting, though. I think the Cardinals were big-time base stealers last year as well, so if they keep that going, you know, I think... Carlson would get a chance to flex his speed. Yeah, they were tied for the National League lead, which made them tied for third overall. It was the Rangers, Royals, Nats, and Cards. So, you know, you you don't have to be a burner to get a bunch of bases if you're just solid with your speed, as Dylan Carlson seems to be, then he can get he can get twenty bags. So I like him. Um, I learned about him this year. I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I knew much, if anything, about him coming into the year. But now that I know him, I'm keeping an eye on him, and I'm intrigued. So I got him at 81 right now. And then finishing off this group of combo guys, we got Jackie Bradley Jr. at 95, Jake Bowers at 9, or excuse me, Jackie JBJ at 94, Jake Bowers at 95, Aaron Hicks at 97. Although he's going to miss the year, he's going to miss time with Tommy John. I don't know how long that's going to keep him out. But I just put him at 97. I, I don't know. Chris Taylor, 100. Travis Demerit, 105. Nico Goodrum, 106. Jason Hayward, 108. I don't have a ton to say about these guys. These are some of your deep league plays. Jackie Bradley Jr. is going to have runs where it looks like he's the best player in the league. And then, you know, 
weeks at a time where he's going to look like he shouldn't even be in the league. It's beyond maddening. Um, remember my Jake Bowers love coming into the year? I was rightfully critiqued. It did not pan out. He had a really tough season. And uh, we'll see if he can bounce back next year. He's only going to be 24. So I, I ranked him. Hicks, as I mentioned, you know he's good when he plays, but health has been a constant throughout his career. And the TJ, it's not a killer for hitters, but I think he might be relegated to just a few months of playing time. So he should probably be lower if ranked at all. I think maybe at this point I don't even rank him and we kind of see what's what as his recovery comes through. But I, I need to I need to get more information on the timetable. I think I'm going to go ahead and take him off the ranking right now, though, uh, for, for Aaron Hicks. And then uh, Chris Taylor plays a bunch of spots. He'll continue to f- finagle his way into the lineup with, with the Dodgers and be solid for different, you know, different periods. 12 and 8 homers and steals in 414 plate appearances last year. Would really need an injury to break to get full-time role and really be impactful, though. He does still have multi-eligibility, I believe, though. Let's see. He has outfield, shortstop, second. So there you go. Triple eligibility for Chris Taylor. Makes him a nice little NL-only play. Um, two Tigers, Travis Demerit, Nico Goodrum. Playing time should be plentiful, right? So they, they could both they could both feasibly put up 2020-type seasons if they're given just, you know, if they stay healthy and they're, and, and they're unencumbered in their playing time, as they should be, though. I don't see any reason to mess with it. Demerit might be more of like a 25-15, though. I don't think his speed's totally there, but the power is more plentiful. So we'll say 25-15 for him. Nico, for Travis Demerit, for Nico Goodrum, he could be more of the 2020. But he's got to stay healthy. His, uh, his 162 game pace over the last two years is 19 and 17, but he's only played 492 and 472 plate appearances. And then last but not least is um, Jason Hayward at 108. And um, he's kind of ho hum, you know? Nothing special. He did have 21 homers and 8 steals. League average hitter. Blah. So there's the combo guys, the batting average guys, and then my top 25. Let me know what you think. I will have an article out on outfielders soon-ish. I got to do the... I still have to decide the... Um, I still have to decide how many I want to do comments for. I'm thinking 50. But then I have to do the comments and post it. I'll do the power-focused guys and the speed-focused guys in another solo pod coming up and that will cover 44 outfielders maybe a few more maybe i add a few more in we'll see but anyway thank you guys so much for listening i will we'll be back with justin at some point this week i believe if you don't know uh he and his family have had to deal with with some of these power outages slash fires it's a nasty situation out there so that comes first for him dealing with all that and if he can't start uh or if he can't do a a pod that's okay i'll cover it with some solos But stay tuned for that. There will be at least one more this week. Another solo from me, perhaps two. Thanks for listening. Peace.